on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. What's the problem? What's the shortest path to success? What's the best path to success? Which one am I going to choose? I'm going to start moving on that right at this moment. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Matthew Griffin, a.k.a. Griff, here on the King stage. My brother, Griff, how we doing? Good morning. It is a Monday morning. We're up on coffee, and we've already complimented each other's beards, so I feel like we're ready to, to roll into a great podcast. We, we checked all the boxes. The last yeah. one was the beard, but but we're good now. So I appreciate that per, that permission to take off in this conversation. Super excited for this conversation. I was telling you right off of air that obviously we're excited about all of our guests. We've got some incredible guests that come on the show, but this one particularly, Griff is well known inside of my team. He didn't even know this, but I've got a team member that was fanboying hard. So Jake, I'm I'm, I'm putting you on front street here, but but Jake was like, this is this is this is the guy. Like we we this you know this this and this all about all about Griff's story before I can even get Griff's story. So we're excited about sharing this story of success and, and all kinds of things that you're doing in the marketplace. So tell us what kind of business that you have. I run a clothing and footwear company. It's called Combat Flip Flops. And we are a mission-based company. We make stuff in war zones or post-war zones. And then we use our profits for philanthropic efforts. Love it. Combat Flip Flops, bad for running, worse for fighting. Love it. I love it. Oh, snuck in the snuck in the the extra there too. Okay, so there's there's a lot going on with with just the combination of combat and flip flops. It's so um, confusing to everybody. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to all that. But before we do, Griff, I gotta know what's the deep like burning desire in you. I mean, yes, there's all this stuff that you just un unpacked it for us, but you've had a certain level of success. You've been doing it, and you're still doing it. What's that like really down deep in you? You're a guy of faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, we're put here for a purpose. That's right. If you listen to it, it will respond and answer so well. And I just listen a lot and I've had amazing adventures all over the world and got to help people. And I've never gone hungry. I've never not had a roof over my head and life's been hell of a blast. And I just feel like I've been driven to it and I'm just going to keep going that way. It's been fun. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> you know, I, I I hope that the listener is is keenly listening like I am because even just the the short few minutes we've been on the call here, you you've said things in like one or two sentences that have like four layers. Like even what you just said, there was there was faith, there was purpose, there was fun, adventure, like all of these things that I know now make up Griff. Like, have you always been like this, or has this been developed over the course of time? Hers. If, if you hear the stories about me from the people who have known me, they'll say I've been the same ever <laughs> since I, I came out of the womb. But yeah, yeah, I've just always, I've always just felt the need. I was really blessed, you know, with where I grew up. And fortunately, I was given a healthy body and got to go to a great school. And I just figure if I'm going to have these blessings, I might as well turn around and try to help as many people with them as I can. Yeah, I love that. Simple. Let's just, let's just... 
go with what we've got. I, I love it, it. The, the principles taught to us are actually kind of simple, right? Yeah. And they haven't improved on them in the past few thousand years. Yeah, it is. We, I think we, I think we've tried to improve on them, but actually it's, it's sometimes if we take that stuff away, then we can get right to the meat of it. Wouldn't you agree? Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So tell us, tell us more combat and flip-flops. You said it's confusing. I want to know how the business started. How, how did you become an entrepreneur? Give us some of the backdrop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've been really trying to like suck this short story down, but I'll just yeah. say like, I got a book, right? It's yeah. on our website. You can buy it. It's called Rise of the Unarmed Forces. It tells the long and expletive written story of everything. But yeah. the condensed version is, as I was an army ranger, I graduated from West Point in 2001, right into the war, went into special operations, did a whole bunch of tours to Afghanistan and Iraq. And what I saw there was that we weren't curing the root cause of the problem. We just weren't. And I, you know, I was there to win. And if winning meant doing something other than using a rifle, then I will pick up that tool and use it. And I didn't know what it was in 2006, got out, took a job as a home builder, lost my job during the Great Decession in 2008. Right. And then I faked my way into a job for a company called Remote Medical International, in which we sold medical gear and equipment and clinics to people uh, government contractors and offshore research vessels all over yeah. the world. And I started bouncing around to war zones as wow. this 29 year old civilian guy with a backpack, you know, and some hiking boots and doing this job all over the world. And I wanted to stay safe. And if you go to these areas where the bombings occur are around military bases, embassies, and reporters. Yeah. And as long as you stay away from those three spots on the map, you're generally pretty safe. And you know where the areas that don't have bombings and problems? <laughs> those three areas? No. Businesses. Oh, Small business that. owners. Right? Wherever there's businesses on the street and bustling traffic in everyday life, there are no security issues. I wouldn't say none, but, but Ooh, it's, sure. it, everywhere I went. I was seeing businesses making the difference in the communities. And I thought to myself as a civilian is why are we rolling, you know, $20 million MRAPs down the street that aren't really doing anything for security. If we took that $20 million and invested it into the street, how much right. more secure would this area be? Right. And, th and that was the thought that kept going through my head. And eventually I walked into a combat boot factory in Afghanistan. Uh, I saw 300 people working there. I've spent a lot of time in Afghanistan. And that was really the first positive thing that I had seen that we had done. Yeah. And I asked the factory manager what they were going to make when the war ends, because that's what you do with military capacity. When the war ends, you make something else. And he right. said, no, we're all going to go out of work. Nobody's going to buy anything from Afghanistan. Wow. And I got really mad. Yeah. Right. All the, all the time and effort and energy we had put into creating the opportunity right. for these families to go to work i.e. live the american dream put their kids in school everything that we said that we were going to do for them and then knowingly pull the rug out from underneath them i got in that moment i got down to the core of my being i got angry yeah and in that moment of anger and frustration i looked down on the table and there's this combat boot sole with a flip-flop thong punch through it and it was ugly and cool and it was like burly and i was like man this thing probably feels like 70 or 80 bucks some yeah. American would pay for this is, is it it's like, Hey, John, do you mind if I run with this? And John was the factory manager's name. And he's like, yeah, sure. And I walked out of the factory, got in my little beat up Toyota, rolled back to my hotel, called my Ranger buddy who knew about the internet. Cause I really didn't know too much. I was like, Hey, can you check to see if combat flip is available? And he goes, yeah, it's for two 99 on GoDaddy. 
<laughs> buy it. We're going to make some flip-flops in Afghanistan. And then that's how the story began. And it's taken a very global and tumultuous series of events over the past decade. But right. I tell you what, like we're still here. We're still putting people to work. We're growing our business like crazy right now. And in spite of all the haters who said we couldn't be done, we're just continuing to charge forward. And it's been yeah. great. It's been a really rad adventure. And we've got to work with truly heroic human beings over the last decade. Yeah. I love, I love the, not only just the story, but the heroic human beings and, and maybe not ones like unexpectedly, right? Like the ones that, that to the families that are probably represented in, in that factory, you know, like some, at least that's my perspective on a lot of businesses. Sometimes it's, it's those people that are the heroes or that have the, the hero story. And yeah, it's cool that you got to kind of come in and save the day, but I know that you see it, you know, where it's the, where it's them that get to be part of the, the mission. I don't and, think we, uh, we don't yeah. save the day at all. And that's never the attitude, right? It's just you're cool. I'm cool. Let's make some cool stuff together. Yeah. And let's just see how that supports our families. That's cool. Right. And from, from the beginning, all the way down to the guys who make our rubber and the factory is going down there. It's just people going to work. And if you're doing your best to take care of them to yeah. that way, they can survive and you, you treat every business relationship in a positive way that way with the intention of Everywhere you go, you're fully present and you're contributing as much to the to that relationship in that moment as possible. Right. Beautiful things happen. Yeah. They do. I mean, I just I it's funny because I went down to Columbia in 2019 when we were redoing our line. And we had done our first trip there in 2012. And walking through the factory door and just seeing it, it didn't register in my brain because I still have our absolutely fearful photos of when my brother first found this manufacturer and he was a okay super high-end footwear manufacturer in Colombia, who like a lot of us, like the other people, they lost it in 2008 as well. Got it. Everybody did. The whole world lost. And this yeah. guy had a crushing business, badass condo, family. And then he had to move to an industrial section of town and build an apartment above his factory. So that way him right. and his family could keep going, keep going. And when Andy first met him, he walked in and they were remodeling it. There were garbage bags stacked, you know, 10 feet tall coming through for the first 20 feet of the entrance as this guy was building it. And he goes, yeah, you know, we can do this work with you. And 11 years later, he's still our man. You walk in there. It's a beautiful, modern factory, clean, putting people to work. And the product they put out is banging. Yeah, It's those kind of heroes. And we've just met him every step of the way. Love it, man. I love, I love the, the simplicity of your thought. It even goes back to the first couple of things that you said there. These are principles that we've known and, and we don't really have to add on to them, but you seeing other humans for who they are and even just the, maybe the talents that they've been given and being able to collaborate on those is pretty cool. Inside the business, you've already given us a little bit of practicals here. So I'm going to kind of keep the segue ahead in that way. What, what have you done or what's been a good decision practically that we can maybe replicate in our businesses. We have checklists for everything. Is that is that did that come from the military? Yeah, I think it did because it just makes things so much easier. You know, when you're getting ready to throw throw like a hundred pound artillery around 15 miles, you kind of want to make sure that you got everything right and it's going to land where it's supposed to land. Yeah. But if you build checklists, you know, you can blaze through them really quick. And then also we track them over time. So I've had the same running checklist since. And they've modified a little bit here and there, but since sure. 2017, so I can, when I make notes in my checklist and I can go through my spreadsheet and I can look at them and everything's hyperlinked down on the column A, all the tabs that I need to go to every morning, I hit my home button. 
I need to check in on my finances. I need to check in on my marketing return on ad spend. I need to check in on my commentary and my engagements. I need to check in on my shipments. And instead of thinking and remembering, it's just in a logical order that we've dialed in. Yeah, and that took what used to be an eight-hour day and it really made it about two hours over the course of a couple of years. I mean, because you're just making minor course corrections. You're oh, not making yeah. huge muscle movements. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and you can only do that if you're checking every day or regularly, you know. So I, I love the 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 I guess the consistency of that. When you say checklist, everybody listening and myself included, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. I'm a huge checklist guy also. So I'm 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 in alignment with you on this for sure. However, for the guy that's listening right now, it's like, oh yeah, checklist. And then it's like, this is a loof idea. And I have really no idea how to build one or I hear about it, but like, that's for somebody else. What would you say, obviously, other than just condensing time, because I think that's pretty valuable in itself, but what are they missing that you have or that your team has because you follow, you know, like, I guess you, the freedom comes from the, from the checklist or the, from the discipline, that, that type of mindset, what would you say that they're missing if they don't have that? You're missing peace of mind. Love it. You are. You're just missing peace of mind. If I go through my checklist and I know that all of my blocks are checked, my brain and my stress level goes to the floor. I can relax. I can be creative. I can think about the next thing that I need to do in order to move forward or add a big project into my business. And my favorite part of my checklist is at the bottom. It's my projects. Like which projects am I working on right now? And those involve more time and thought. And then I just put them on my calendar and I work on those sections. But that's, I still got to do all the benign stuff throughout the day that everybody hates doing. Yeah. Rip the bandaid off, get it done first thing with your first couple cups of coffee, and then move on to the stuff that's really meaningful for you and for your business. Yeah. Love it. I love it. The the freedom that comes from that inside of the peace of mind, because what you, the, the, you're on this side of the, the result, but on the other side, on the inside of someone who doesn't have that, they're running crazy. They're doing their, you know, 360s in their head, flips and and chasing their tail and busy and tired and <laughs> all the things, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I, my per, I have two different checklists. I have one for myself and then I have one for my business. And the one for myself is like, did you weigh yourself this morning? You Did you meditate? Did you exercise? Right? right? How'd you sleep? Just, if you just track yourself on those four. Yeah. And you just say, okay, before I'm going to get, you know, because business is hard, you know, everything else in recovery is hard. The one thing that you can manage is yourself. And if you can discipline yourself out of two pounds in a week, which is totally feasible for everybody, and then you, oh, okay, I can improve just a little bit. I'm going to go for three next week. But when you start seeing it every day, you get that motivation. You know, when you're sitting down at night, getting ready to go to bed, you're like, oh man, I really want to have a snack. But you go like, no, I want to get that extra half a pound out tomorrow. And it's a mindset that you create. Yeah. Not only are you putting blocks on checklists, but you know we also enter like our key metrics in our checklists. And so I can see the patterns of when they go up and down. Yeah. And I'd say for your person, just if you're afraid of a checklist or do it, just literally have four. I have a Google sheet. It's free. I'm sure everybody has a Gmail account, column A. Yep. Put four or five down there, do it for a month and see how you feel. It'll literally take you two minutes every morning. See if it works. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Simplify the already what seems to be simple, but overwhelmingly so. What's easy to do is what's also easy not to do. No, oh, it's so, so simple to skip by it. Oh, I'll get it tomorrow. You know, oh, I'll get it. Yeah. And it's also easier to go ahead and eat that snack late night if you don't have this thing like that's close to what you're thinking about. If you don't have the checklist, then it's far away. It's it's aloof. It's it's in it's just out there. 
as opposed to like, no, I'm probably thinking about my checklist as I'm going to bed or as I'm winding down for the night, I'm looking at my calendar tomorrow. I'm looking at my checklist or, you know, what some of these things, especially if you look at it every single day, now I'm just training my subconscious to like really hone in on these things. So yeah, yeah, of course you're going to think about whether I want to eat that extra bowl of ice cream or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's flip the coin here. Griff. All right. What's the bad decision that you made brother? Something that we can, we can learn from. Focus away from the 80, 20. It, yeah. you, we, we were mentioning it in the pre-call, but the 80-20 is a real thing. You can think you're a unique and special butterfly and every account is going to be huge, but you're not. Right. The math says the other way. The math says 80-20. And when you really find you know, your, your 20% that are generating 80% of the revenue, really make that your life's purpose. And there was so much thrown at us so fast as a young business if you can imagine the story of army rangers going to Afghanistan and all these war zones to make stuff like we made it to shark tank in less than three years of business. And we didn't even apply. Yeah. <laughs> like we never applied. They called us and asked us to be on the show. Yeah. So if you can imagine I had two young kids and, you know, job transition, new business, I was still doing a side hustle. I had so much so fast coming at us that I, I, couldn't even look to see where I would pick up my, where the hundred percent was even coming from. It was just a mess everywhere. But as soon as we started focusing on our 80, 20 things, really the ship really righted itself. Yeah. What would you say for the person listening right now who big or small business, because it, every business at some point, even if someone who's dialed in, cause we've recently, I was telling you off air, I've recently had like a strategy expert come in and, and really go in depth. He was on the show probably six or seven months ago, but even after you've done the 80-20 and you get rid of that bottom BB box, you still then eventually work yourself back into some form of that other piece that you need to get rid of. So even though you've dialed it in and even though 80-20 is on the top of your mind, even though it might be for that for the listener, what would you say for the person listening, big or small business, what are the steps for them to kind of like, hmm, how do I get rid of that 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 bottom that's most likely dragging me down, is not associated to most of the revenue, it's causing all the problems. I mean, this is this is the negative of the 80-20, right? Like I spend as much time on those as I do my best client, who's the easiest to serve, who buys the most stuff, that is the most margin. I get the best results with them, you know, but I but I share my time with not not the best client and, and also the best client. What would you say to the guy right now who's listening going, how do I do this? Again, I just, honestly, I, I have my checklist. I have a spreadsheet. I know what my customers are. I know their forecasted revenue for the year. I know what they brought in so far. And so when you hit that little right click button on the top of your spreadsheet, sort by size descending, it becomes real apparent. And every day you check in on those customers in that order, right? And if there's any issues, make a note on the right-hand side, take care of the issues up top first. And just over time, you're just gonna keep grooming yourself into, into a pattern of taking care of your best customers first. And that will, it, it will just play out because of how you're spending your day. You don't want to feel like you're failing people. Right. At the same right. time, you, if, if it's you know, a customer and you, you say like, I, I'm, I can't support you. Like I had to fire customers and it sounds so odd for a flip-flop business, but I've literally told people like, I really just don't want you wearing my stuff. I'll send you your money back. Is that cool? <laughs> and then we'll just call it even. Yeah. But, but for guys like you with service-based business and other different you know clients, I understand it's it's not for everybody. Our business is unique in that way, but yeah. take yeah. care of your biggest customers first, make them your priority. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. It, it goes across all industries. 
the question that I have for you, because you spent a good amount of like intentionality at the beginning of the show here, basically recognizing how you see people, right? Whether they're the heroes inside of the factories or the heroes that are, you know, buying the stuff that they're the, they're the AA client, whoever the people are, you, I think genuinely see people for who they are, especially based on your faith. So how, how with good measure, seeing people for who they really are, how can you still then decide to spend more time or better, better spent time with an AA client as opposed to a BB? It's not like, I guess what I'm, I'm prefacing here is you're going to get rid of the BB. It's not because you don't like them or you don't like, there's a disagreement. You're, you don't want them to wear your stuff, but you want to press in on, on, you want to spend more time over here. Like there's actual, that's what you just told me. Pay yeah, more correct. attention to these people. Well, how do I do that? But see all people. So this is going to be a, a cold-hearted army ranger comment on this. Okay. And I, it had never, I'd never actually been able to articulate it until a guy wrote about it after I got out of the military, but everybody you run into falls into one of two categories, right? And you, you fall into one of two categories and you flip flop back and forth between the two, depending okay. on what your mindset is. You're either an asset or you're a liability. Okay. Explain. It is a very, it is a very binary switch. So, you know, just say I've got my team and we're going out and doing stuff and everybody's well-fed, well-rested. They've all got the mission plan. We've all had a time. I got 30 assets. It's great. But if we've been out and running for two to three days, there's some guys who haven't eaten. They might have an ankle sprain or whatever. That guy becomes, who was an asset transitioned into a liability. Yeah. And then you're going to run into people who are just straight liabilities all of the time. Mm. And when you start looking at that time that you're spending with now your A-level client as a liability to your A-level client, right? then you start like, I'm really risking bigger business by interacting with these other things. And just keeping that, just ask yourself the question. You still want to take care of them. There's nothing wrong with taking care of that customer, helping them be a better customer, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. But if they're a liability to your A-level client, then they fall into the liability category. And you just have to make a very cold-hearted decision real quick. Like, oh, they want to have an appointment with you. Yeah, I'll be free tomorrow at three. Yeah. I, 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 you will schedule their time in order to place them where they belong for your priorities. Right. Yeah. And, and that's being true to yourself, being true to your mission. That's what you said at the beginning there is that if we're in alignment on the mission, there's kind of an understatement there, but I think that you can't determine whether someone's a liability or an asset unless you know where you're going or what the mission mm -hmm. is. And so once you have that clear, what you're saying is that I can put people in categories and, but not to be, not to be super quick to just put them in a category and then leave them because they can, they can go back and forth. And I need to be aware probably on a daily, weekly, monthly basis on where these people fall, clients, team members, networking opportunities, all of it. Right. And you, and you got to look within yourself. It starts within you, Right. You have to recognize when you go into a business discussion, am I being an asset yeah. for the person that I'm working with or am I being a liability? Yeah, And it, it really starts within, it starts with you. It sounds very judgmental when you say it, oh, this person falls into one, two categories, but I also prefaced it with, it's like everybody flips back and forth between the two. I know that I am a liability before 8 a.m. and my first two cups of coffee. I am not to send any <laughs> emails right? Or hop on any social media because I'm a liability at that point. And I recognize it within me, but I know like after my first two cups of coffee, after I got my checklist done, I'm not stressed out. I become more of an asset to do yeah. these things. So yeah. it, it, everybody goes back and forth. You have, that's the number one rule, but you just have to assess where they're at right now, according to your mission and your plan. Yeah. 
and then and then make action based on where they are currently and what the mission is. Love that. What you you kind of already maybe answered this question a little bit, but I want you to be able to just answer it fully. If a decision comes across your desk right now today, if you've been through not only just all this military experience, but now now business experience and success, is there a certain checklist that you have around making a good decision? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first is we're a mission-based company. So we have our mission statement, right? And you, the reason you create a mission statement is because if you or any of your employees are not within eyesight of any of your other employees or team members, and they need to make a decision, is that decision going to push them right. closer toward the mission statement or further exactly. away? Exactly. And it's again, bi binary, make it simple for them. Is this going to get us further toward enabling the mindful consumer to manufacture peace through trade? Right. Is, is that the decision that's happening right now? If no, then you don't make it. It's fine. Move, on, yeah. move along. So it's it's just really simple. Like, And then the other one is, is it going to be fun? There are some <laughs> things that just might not be best for business, but man, they're just good for morale. So yeah. Yeah. good. That's good. Or looking at options of what could be good for business. One is fun and one is not. I mean, you pick the one that's fun naturally. Right. Yeah. You know, we've got uh, one of our core values with Gathering the Kings, uh, the Kings bring levity or Kings are levity. And so it's, you know, a very serious thing a lot of times to be in charge or to be a leader or to be an entrepreneur, to be a dad, to be a husband, to be, you know, whatever, to be an army ranger. And so I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of weight that comes with the checklist and having, you know, responsibility for other people, especially if lives are at the stake or, or family's income. But man, you, what you just described as far as having fun or levity, removing pressure or removing that, that sense of weight from a scenario oftentimes comes from just morale or just being able to just suck out stress and remove it with, or, and exchange it for a level of joy, a level of, of enjoyment. You know what I mean? Well, as freaked out as you are about making a tough decision, you know, that all of the people who are involved in the outcome of that decision, they're more freaked out than you are. Yeah. So bringing that levity is important. Like, Hey guys, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Here's how we're going to do it. And then you watch everybody else's stress decline. They go from being a liability to being feeling like they're going to be an asset to be a hero in the story of what you're about to do. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Griff, I'm going to go to our speed round here. My first question is always the same around KPIs. I say it like this. If you could only pick one thing to track forever and ever in this awesome apparel combat flip-flop business of yours, what would you track? Return on ad spend. Oh, love it. Tell us I, uh, looking at your ROAS, yeah, we run a product-based business and we'll, and because of the state of the internet and where your consumers are at, they're on their phones and they're on their media platforms. It is a pay to play game. And so if you're not there and you're not being effective there as a, on a, as a product-based business, yeah, like ours, I should say, yeah. um, you're just not going to do it. So you just really got to manage your spend because all of those social media platforms will tell you to spend more to get a better result. And they're all lying to you. So watch your ad spend. That is the biggest spend outside of product that we make. And yeah. they will bankrupt you if you're not careful and you will have nothing to show for it. Yeah, so true. It's so true. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe there was a bad decision in there that you could have shared about a little bit ago. <laughs> oh, no, it's 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 ever present. You know, just when you think you got things clicking and your return on ad spend is going, they change up an algorithm or Apple and Facebook yep. don't like one another and all of your metrics for your small business true. that you revolve around completely change. You don't have access to the data and you're just kind of drifting, hoping that it works, looking at your top line revenue numbers and your marketing spend. And it's, <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that. I think that, uh, you know, <laughs> 
I, I've, I actually, I've experienced that the good, the bad decision, as well as the drifting. I think that there's that that's going to be pretty normal for, for a while when it comes to social media marketing, maybe, maybe one day it'll be a little bit more predictable, but there's a lot of experts out there to like to, to make it sound like it's predictable. You don't never answer those emails. Yeah. Ever. Oh, no, I'm going to get you 10,000 X return on ad spend. I'm going to do this. Do like, like just Marcus spam, carry on. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting because that, that topic, I really don't, I, I'm extremely optimistic. Like I love possibility, like in all areas of my life, really. And, but that, that leads me vulnerable in certain scenarios, but not anymore when it comes to marketing. I've, I've been down that road where I was super optimistic and, and got a hold of somebody who, maybe also was optimistic or maybe just didn't even know what they were doing. I really don't know. That's a road that where I become almost not cynical, but I, I just ask a whole lot more questions <laughs> uh, or no, I try to I, do it myself in my team. You know what I mean? I really try to be a better human in most interactions, but when those guys get a hold of my personal cell phone and they call me, yeah, they, they meet old me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get the, they get the pre 8am pre two cups of coffee Griff. Yeah. Ranger Griff. Yeah. And I just, Ranger. I long troll them into it too. So I'm going to burn their time as much as they're burning mine. Right. But yeah, it's, it's so frustrating to have these guys call you who have zero liability in your business. They can take tons of money, generate nothing for it and then walk away with no culpability. Yeah. Oh, it's just social media. It's building. Uh, uh no, uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. Nothing makes me angrier than that. It's tough because they're like, when you study marketing, specifically branding there, there is truth to time and money over the long course of, of, of action being spent energy, effort, all of it, and not really knowing exactly what it's doing. Like that, that's a reality to some degree, but, but when it comes to direct marketing or direct response, you can track that stuff. So like, it is what it is input output. Does it work? Does the, do the numbers work? Is it making me money? If it's not, Either you don't know what you're doing or we don't have the right offer or the right copy or the right something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just the way that it is. Okay. What, what resource or maybe book would you recommend for a business owner trying to grow? Ooh, there's just so many. I think the the one that I've, that I've read that probably made the most sense for me, and this is going to sound really odd, is Why We Sleep. Okay. Okay. It was the largest sleep study done on human beings. And there is no study that's ever been done that proves that sacrificing sleep improves performance. Wow. And that was a, that was a big thing for me because I, I, you know, I grew up in a hardworking Iowa community. You had to be first in the weight room. You know, you work all the time, military, same, same with business. And so I've been thrashing my sleep since I was 14 years old and didn't, it wasn't improving. And then as soon as I really started taking my sleep and sleep routine, seriously, everything in life evened out for me, including my business. And it's so counterintuitive, but the, the vibe starts at the top. Yeah, it always does. It really does, right? And if you're taking care of yourself and you're getting rest and you're showing up rested and aware and focused, then the rest of the team is going to hop to you or they're going to be gone. Yeah. And that's the kind of people that you want around is the people that are going to stay in that lane and, and continue to drive forward. Yeah, there's. I think there's a distinction here that I hear you making, but I'm going to just hit it all the way home because we both believe in like work right? Like there's, there's gotta be work that needs to be done. Disciplined effort. We choose hard when, when, when easy is available, but we choose hard because it's the long-term decision. That's not what we're talking about. What Griff's talking about is taking care of yourself, like being vigilant around the tool, which is your mind and your body. And so there are, there are certain times where I don't get enough sleep and there are certain times where I'm on it and it's a cadence and it's like, boom, I feel great at the eight hours or whatever the number is. 
I guess to say all that, because we're all different in our, in our, like our body makeup and our DNA makeup, as far as like what we actually need, what you're talking about is just taking care of yourself. Like just yeah. generally, probably what you eat, how much you sleep, like paying attention to the cues that your body's giving you, like all these things. It's kind of all in one decision, right? Yeah. It's, and it, it's just interesting because you know, I grew up with horrible eating habits. I grew up with horrible sleep habits. I, the only thing I did get, you know, growing up was a good physical fitness routine, but maybe that might've been the best because I was destroying myself the whole time, but really just living in your life, live, living in your body and living in your life. Like you're going to have to live in it for the rest of your life. Right. At a, and, and resolve to doing so at a high level. Yeah. You don't need to be a gold medal athlete, but you need to be able to be mentally aware and focused for 12 to 14 hours a day if right. called upon to do so. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think not all the time. Yeah. Tell me if you relate to this, because this is definitely me for sure. Like if I, when I think about fitness or when I think about eating right or, or sleep, like all of these things that maybe I'm not naturally been doing for the last 15, 20, 30 years, I, I feel like I'm either all in or all out. Would you like, is, is, does that help it? Does that, does that keep us from like just doing the little bits every single day? I, I really think it hurts a person to be just so hypermaniacal, hypermanial in that way, yeah. whatever the word is. I'm going to go be a bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, no, you just live a good life for, you know, when you, when you sit down at a restaurant as you know, I could order that huge juicy burger with a side of fries, or am I going to order a black and salmon salad? Right. Black and salmon salad tastes just as good. And I feel better about myself after eating it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I could take this phone call sitting at my desk or hey, is this person cool? Can I just get up and go walk around for 45 minutes outside? You're not like, I'm not asking you to run a marathon, but move your body. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so things like that. It's just, you need to be able to make those just better minute decisions throughout the day right? That just maintain your physical fitness because as business owners and entrepreneurs, I don't have the time to spend to be hypermaniac athlete, mountain biker, big mountain skier, like I used to aspire to, but I do want to go out in the mountain and I do want to shred with my friends and family if I need to. So I make better decisions and it really just starts with sleep and diet. Love it. What uh, I got a question for you about family, Griff, what would you say about, we just got kind of off this uh, taking care of your body, but I, I believe in a level of obsession, right? Like we are obsessed humans. What we were just trying to talk about was maybe obsessed with the like uh, optimal performance, right? So in order to have optimal performance, we sleep and we eat and we choose a salmon, that type of a thing. But when it comes to my business, I know that I'm successful because of my obsession. But when I look at my family or when I look at my kids, the level of obsession that I've had in the past years hasn't been there. But when I started to apply obsession, it wasn't balance. It was obsession. What would you say are things that you've done to be able to be obsessed about your business and your family and the, all the other things that, that matter to you like that at the same time? So I think I, you know, I probably didn't do so well with this when I first started, like most of us do. Like it's, it's yeah. common, like just you got to have a little bit of forgiveness and grace around yourself with that. That's right. Because it's all the starting a business is so scary, but as you start getting a hold of the bull and start managing it on a daily basis and get the pen around it, you know, you can actually lock the padlock at night and go home and hang out with the family. And yeah. specifically, I think COVID was really the big one is when it really like made that pivot and change because we were just all hanging out together and that quality time together really, it really solidified the fact that I need to be on my checklist and I need to be on the big 80, 20 tasks. So that way, when I put that stuff down at the end of the day, I'm going to go home and hang out with my daughters. I'm, I'm fully present and doing the best that I can to contribute to them. Yeah. Love that. 
what would you say for the person right now who who definitely hasn't been able to lock the padlock and and leave that obsession and and press hard into the next obsession family or kids or whatever what would you say to that person getting to that that level they they heard that you, they heard what you just said and they want to get there but it's tough it is tough right and you need to create those windows like luckily i'm super fortunate where i live i can look at my daughter if i got a half an hour or 30 minutes between meetings or whatever and she walks through the doors like hey you want to go get some frozen yogurt and there's a frozen yogurt place right down the street from our house but just the walk there grabbing frozen yogurt sitting down checking in and be like all right hey i gotta get back i love you like let me know what you like and then but just creating those micro moments yeah i love it if, if you can't get the full time that you want, really focus on creating those micro moments. And I, I remember my, my oldest daughter, when she started going to a private high school in Seattle, it's a half an hour one way. And I would have to drop her off and pick her up every day. That's two hours out of my day. As an entrepreneur, that is dumbfounding. Yeah. I would, I would trade my entrepreneurial time for those car rides any day. Yeah. That was the most valuable thing I ever did in my life. Yeah. So as scary as it seems to spend that time or to make that focus, you're never going to look back at it and have you know buyer's remorse on it ever. Good. It's a good yeah. way to say it. Good way to say it. What would you say about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? Your network is your net worth. Love that. Also go back to the assets and liabilities. Yes. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs, a handful of good entrepreneurs and then there's businessmen that's right and then you just got to figure out you know again not being judgmental but i really have to be really focused with my time where people fall in am i adding value to them first question are they adding value to me second question it has to be mutually beneficial yeah yeah i was just reading in a book this past weekend which i've i've known for a long time that mutually beneficial part of a relationship in fact it's not actually even considered a relationship if it's not mutually benefiting. But I love the angle of showing up first with value because how could you expect if you're not willing to give? And so I think that that's step one, like you said, but step two is to be able to make sure that they're in the asset category, not, not the liability. Liability. Yeah. Because I've had some guys who are businessmen, but like when we hang out together, I become a liability. They become a liability. We all become liabilities. It's bad. Right. So just, I don't, I avoid it hundred percent. Have it gone. Yep. 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 It's good. Yeah. It's good. It, it doesn't mean that you can't have fun in the asset category. <laughs> it just yeah, means yeah. the result looks a little different. Yeah. It's like, I was just going to get physically hurt. Like the, the sports and the activities we were doing, like could have like really injured me. And I just like, ah, you know what guys, like I'm, I'm okay with this. Like, I'm going to give this up. I'm going to go skydiving now. I'll see you guys yeah. later. <laughs> well, it's interesting that that would be your, your, your distinction there. Like, wow. What were you doing that then skydiving was the safe option? So. It was just mountain biking up here. Like I've, I've grown up racing. My, because I'm an entrepreneur, I spend more time working instead of training and my brain can ride faster than my body. And the yeah. third time I put myself in the emergency room, I had to give up my bikes and say like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yep. I'm going to go to something safer, like skydiving. So I, I, I think we're going to probably have to quote that. I have to go yeah. to something safer, like skydiving. <laughs> These are the type of intense guys that I just love to be around. Like I, I, if we, if I had not known anything else from the past you know, 30 minutes of the show, I would want to hang with you. Now I've never been skydiving and I don't know if I really want to, but the intensity of, of that is what fires me up. So, well, you know, people ask like, you know, why do you do it? And I have a lot of my friends ask me is it's like as entrepreneurs from the moment my eyes open, it's idea, idea, concept, problem, oh, yeah. idea, 
It's just here the whole time. And it's endless. You, yeah. you you fill pages in a journal, stuff that you can't forget. You're adding stuff to your checklist. You're constantly making phone calls. It's yeah. to the point to where your headphones are in your ear and you hear the phone ringing. It doesn't really matter. You're, you're going to answer whoever it is calling. You're going to take care of a problem. And it just goes on for weeks yeah. and months. And it just uh-huh. goes on and on. And it really feels like you don't get a break from it. And when I hop into that airplane, I can really only think about going out of the airplane, doing what I need to do and getting to the ground and everything else shuts off and I'm smiling and I'm happy for, you know, an hour afterwards. So it's that big dopamine hit. I really think is what we're all after. Yep. And I would encourage all guys, you got to find something, whether it's fly fishing or whatever, where you can just toss that stuff to the back and give yourself a mental reprieve. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a guy in our mastermind group that runs a, just a ginormous bike shop and he's helping a lot of guys like entrepreneurs, but just you know, high-paced individuals, intense individuals find freedom by riding a bike. Because when I get on a bike, I feel the same way, even though I'm not a, a huge biker. But when I get on the bike, I, I have to think about nothing in order to be able to operate. It's just kind of odd. It's kind of like mowing. Or for me, mm-hmm. elk hunting. Like elk hunting is a big thing for me. It's like, man, we like this big old like to-do about you got to make sure you have the right gear and you go into the right place. And we've already mapped everything out. And there's like a lot of, a lot of work. But when you get there, you got the weight on your back and you're hiking. And there's nothing else around you. And then the stars up above you at night, it's like, I'm not thinking about anything else, which is just an incredible feeling. Like you're talking about, it's like just a, like an empty, a freedom, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm really stoked for the elk season. I had to skip the last two years. So oh. I, I'm, I'm pumped. Can you say, yeah. can you say where you're going this year? Uh, I, I hunt in Western Washington. Okay. All so right. archery, Western Washington. Yeah. Uh, I brought a, I brought a black powder because the area okay. where I hunt, I could, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of taking down bulls. I'd really like to get a nice, tasty, like young, young one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've, I haven't made the decision yet which which weapon I'm going to use, but archery is the old go to. Yeah, yeah, love the love archery elk hunting. There's there's I already know that you're about the journey simply because number one, you're elk hunter, and number two, you're a bow elk hunter. Because <laughs> it can't it can't be about the prize. There's a lot more that goes into it than that. That's for sure. Yeah, I got one last I, question here for you, Griff. I want to know if you could whisper in the younger Griff's ear, what would you say? Don't panic. Literally just don't panic. There's going to be a lot of stuff that comes at you, but just don't panic. Love it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, yeah. If I, if I were, you know, honestly talking to 22 year old Lieutenant Griff, right. Before everything happened. There's been a lot of really crazy, hairy things that have happened in life and the ability to just stop when you're in the moment and not panic, get a deep breath, trust that everybody else is freaking out around you. And if you're able to not panic, you're going to be able to make a really, at least you're going to be able to make the best decision possible for you and those around you. So not panicking when something bad happens, you get hit with bad information all of that comes where you feel like you're in a business meeting and all of a sudden something happens and your, your stomach just goes into your, you know, into your feet. Cause it's just something bad. So happens. Yep. Don't panic. Love it. I love it. I think that that's a message that can be taken away for everybody listening, no matter how big or small their business is. I would, I would even go as far as to say that it's those moments in a history, like a, in a combined, like how long can you not panic, which then builds a history of 
good decision-making over the course of a long period of time with your friends, family, business, team members, business associates, podcast guests, you know, whatever. And it's like, you now, you build a reputation, a reputation of somebody who can make sound decisions. And it all started with you going that moment. What needs to be done here? Yeah. What's the problem? What's the shortest path to success? What's the best path to success? Which one am I going to choose? I'm going to start moving on that right at this moment. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. It's good. It's good, man. It's, it's, I think I've said it three times already, but it's simple, but it's so profound. Yeah, I think the, that most yeah, like in, yeah, there's a couple of different things that I think about when keeping it simple, but you guys all remember taking the ACTs or the SATs. Oh yeah. Okay. In the English, they have multiple choice. Yeah. All right. And if they said, if you don't know which one it, it is, which is the correct answer, which one is it? C, it's always C. No, it's always the shortest oh. one. Always the shortest one. Interesting. The least, the least amount possible, right? Perfection to design is when you can take nothing more away. Interesting. You know, the parables that we started off talking about are referencing, and they're pretty short. Yep. You really can't take anything away from them. And a lot of people right. have tried to add stuff to them, but they haven't made it improved upon them. Right. So really focusing on those simple principles, your 80, 20, what are the best things that move you forward? Do that. Yeah. yeah. Griff, you've been profound, honestly, but probably, you know, just a, another layer of not only encouragement, but truth out there. So for entrepreneurs across listening here, I hope that you've enjoyed this, but Griff, how can we find your product? First off, tell us where to go because we need combat flip-flops and all yeah. the other things that you have. And then how can we find you individually? So everything is at combatflipflops.com. All right. The Instagram, Facebook, social media, everything's at combatflipflops. What else are we uh, going to find there besides flip-flops? You're going to find flip-flops, shoes, be a better human apparel, jewelry made from landmines. We make some scarves in Afghanistan, sandals, it's fun company, right? And we have a lifetime warranty. So if you buy our stuff, I promise it's good. If it falls apart, I will have a, I will take personal offense to it and replace yeah. it for you. Yeah. That's awesome. And then if you want to follow me personally, it's Instagram combatflipflops.griff, G-R-I-F-F. And that's how you get a hold of me. It's pretty simple. Love it. Griff, you've been incredible. I just am thankful to get to know you. And then of course, with my team fanboying on you, hopefully we'll be able to do some cool stuff together. I love the way that you said that. Do we get to, are you a good person? Am I a good person? Do we get to do cool stuff together? Well, I sure do hope so. And I hope the listeners got as much out of this interview as I did. Blessings to you, your family, your business, all the people that you're touching all across the world. Thanks for being here, Griff. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you 
and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.